Uh, we're going to have a look at our passage today, 1 Peter chapter 1, as we think about the big word, resurrection. And then after that, two more talks to go in the series, redemption and adoption. Let's just uh, pray as we come to God's word. Thank you for your word, Lord, and for the way that these big words explain what you've done for us. And we pray that this might sink in for us, that we won't forget these things through this series, but they will touch our lives and, uh, and lead us in the future. Particularly today, would you guide us as we think about your word? Amen. Well, you don't have to look far in the world to see the concerns we have about the coronavirus pandemic it's been such a worry over the past couple of years, but even more so now as the deadly Delta strain spreads throughout New South Wales and gets even closer to Griffith. It's all a bit of a reminder, isn't it? A reminder that in this life we live in death. See, friends, we face a problem in this world, don't we? Pandemic or no pandemic, we still face a problem in this world, and the problem is death. Unless Jesus comes back first, we will all die. That is the one sure future that awaits us all, death. It's a sobering concept. I'm sorry. But the big question we're asking today is, why does it matter to me that Christ is raised? Why does it matter to me that Christ is raised? You see, we Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what difference will that make? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make to my life now? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make to my coming death? So the big question we're asking today is, why does it matter to me that Christ is raised? And we'll be seeking to answer that question from our passage today. We have three points as we step through our passage today. Firstly, we'll see comfort for God's people from verses 1 to 2. Then the assurance of our inheritance from verse 3 to 5. And thirdly, from verse 6 to 9, that we're equipped by faith for the tough road of life. So first, let's look at comfort for God's people from verses 1 to 2. Have a look at verse 1 with me. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. So here in these verses we see comfort, great comfort for God's people. We see comfort here that they are the people who have been chosen by God. See there that Peter calls them God's elect who have been scattered throughout the world. They are the people, they are the Jewish Christians who had been dispersed throughout the Mediterranean region. They were no longer Jews, but they had become Christians and they had been chosen by God for salvation through Jesus Christ. It brings comfort to know that we have been chosen by God for salvation. And what else brings us comfort here? Notice that we've been sealed with the Spirit in verse 2 that the sanctifying work of the Spirit is at work in our lives. It brings us great comfort to know that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. And see there also, we've been called to obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling by his blood. So God has chosen us 
and in his foreknowledge chosen us for the work of the Spirit in our lives. And in his mercy, he has covered us in the blood of Jesus and he has called us to obedience to Jesus Christ. Well, I'm sure at work that at times you've had a project where it needed a lot of people to be working on it, not just one person, not just you, but it was a project so big that a whole team needed to work together in order to achieve the project and get it done. Well, friends, look at the project that God is working on from verses 1 to 2. It's us. It's the project of us, but it's a project so big that it requires all three persons of the Trinity to work on us in order to bring us to salvation. See there in verse 1 and 2, God the Father elects and chooses us. Then in verse 2, God the Son, Jesus, he dies and he covers us with his blood for salvation. Then in verse 2, God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He makes us holy and he works toward our salvation too. Can you see it there? Father, Son and Spirit. The big project of you, the big project of your salvation requires all three persons of God to work for you and to bring you to salvation. What a comfort it is to know that God has our salvation completely in his hands. So friends, we can take comfort in knowing the work of God in our lives. And friends, this is important, isn't it? Because it means that those who have faith can be confident in their final destination. You see, friend, it's not about you and it's not about what you do, but it's about what Christ has done. And we can take great comfort and gain confidence in that. Do you have confidence in what Jesus has done for you? Let us take heart in God's promises here to his people. What God has done in our salvation can bring us great comfort. But also, friends, this comfort gives us an assurance in Jesus. That's our second point today, the assurance of our inheritance. Have a look at verse 3 with me. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Aren't these awesome words here from the Apostle Peter? He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter here talks about the mercy of God to give us new birth into the Christian faith. This is referring to the teaching where Jesus says that you must be born again to be able to enter the kingdom of God. In God's great mercy, he has given us this new birth. He has given us faith in Jesus. But can you see there in the text that the new birth brings us into a living hope? See, this new faith, this new life that we have in Jesus, it gives us a living hope for the future. Notice there it's not just a hope for the future. It's a living hope for the future. It is a hope that is alive with the power of the resurrection of Jesus. See there in verse 3, 
that this living hope comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The reason that we have hope for the future, the reason we have eternal hope, is because of the resurrection of Christ. It's because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, why is this? In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, Paul uses the analogy of the first fruits to explain the resurrection of Jesus. He says that the resurrection of Jesus was just like the first fruits of a crop. Once the first fruits come and are harvested, then you know that the rest of the crop will come and be harvested too. You see, Jesus is the first fruits of our own resurrection crop. That is because Jesus was raised from death, he becomes the first fruits, and the rest of us, the rest of the crop, we too will be harvested, we too will be raised from death. Because Jesus, our first fruits, was raised from death. You see, because the resurrection harvest came on the first fruits, the resurrection harvest will come on the rest of the crop. See, this is why Paul can say things like, if Christ has not been raised, we are of most people to be pitied. It is because Christ has been raised, and if he has been raised, we are assured that we will be raised from death too. Did you notice there that the new birth, that being born again into God's kingdom, that it brings us into an inheritance? See in verse 4, it brings us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. You see, this is our living hope. This is what the resurrection does for us. This is what being a Christian does for us. It gives us the inheritance of eternal life. Now, I don't know what kind of inheritances you have received in your life. I know being a pastor and being on the presbytery, it's given me an insight into the kind of bequests that people can leave to churches in their will. But just think about the concept of an inheritance. When someone dies and they leave a blessing behind for their children, they leave an inheritance. And if it is given to you, then you have the rights of the inheritance and you are in line to receive a wonderful inheritance. Well, friends, our heavenly inheritance comes to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus dies and passes on an inheritance to us, to God's children. We get an inheritance. And what is that inheritance? Well, it is nothing other than the living hope of heaven. The inheritance is that heaven and eternal life have been totally secured for us. Have a look at the text there. It is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It is something that is kept in heaven for you. It awaits you. It is there to be grasped and enjoyed by you. You see, friend, are you assured of your inheritance in Jesus? Do you have assurance of your salvation? Friends, we've been given this new birth. We've been given this living hope in Jesus. We've been born again into God's kingdom. And in that sense, our eternal life has already begun. And it will never end. It will never end. You have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This eternal hope has been secured for you. 
and so you have assurance of your eternal inheritance. Friend, take comfort in what God has done for you in the gospel. Take comfort in the living hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Because Christ was raised from the dead, we too shall be raised as well. So we've seen that there's comfort for God's people, verses 1 to 2. We have an assurance of our inheritance, verses 3 to 5. But thirdly, we see that we can be equipped by faith for the tough road of life. Have a look at verse 6 with me. Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we see here we can be equipped by faith for the tough road of life. You see, Peter was under no illusions, was he? He knew that the life of faith was a tough road. He knew that life in this world is a hard journey. See there in verse 6, he knows that in this life we will suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, friends, I have suffered grief in trials. Have you? I'm sure you have. The Bible understands this, but the Bible speaks into our pain as well. Have a look at verse 7. It says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter is saying that these trials in our life will help our faith to be proved genuine. It may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter uses the analogy of gold there, doesn't he? See, we cannot find a more precious metal than gold. But even gold will melt when refined by fire. When refined by fire, the gold melts and the impurities of the gold are removed and it becomes even more precious gold through the process. So too with us. So too with us. When we go through the fire, through our trials, it is a refining process, isn't it? God is chipping away at us to make us perfect, to make us more into his image. But see there, your faith is of greater worth than gold. And these trials have come so that we may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So God is under no illusions and Peter is under no illusions. This life is going to be hard. It's going to be a hard and gruelling journey until we get to heaven. But we don't walk the journey alone, do we? No, Jesus stands right there beside us as we walk. In fact, it is through God's power that we do walk the journey of life. We walk and we live and we persevere through God's power and not through our own. So friend, push on. Push on, knowing that the Saviour walks with you and carries you through. And there is no difference whether we're young or old, whether we're sick or healthy. We all need to fix our eyes on Jesus as we walk this journey. As the book of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
Well, in our introduction, we looked at the fact that we need to be saved from death, from our death. And we've seen today that God has you secure if you believe in him. God will be with you this whole life. We've seen we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've seen God has your inheritance waiting in heaven for you. But it's a tough road. So fix your eyes on Jesus and fight the good fight of the faith. Friends, our comfort is in our heavenly inheritance and not in this world. The beauty of being one of God's people is that we know that as we hold firmly to the word of God, his promises will not fail us. In fact, all of God's promises are true. This is what drives us to rejoice. This is what brings us security. Our salvation is kept in heaven for us and is ready to be revealed in the last time. Indeed, Christ has been raised and he is the first fruits of all those who are due to be raised from death as well. Christ has been raised. This is the living hope of eternal life that we too shall be raised as well and we shall live forever and ever in the new creation, in the eternal kingdom with God. And God says at that point, they shall be my people and I shall be with them and I shall be their God. So in closing, friend, are your eyes set on the end goal of heaven or are you stuck focusing on this world and all its traps? Friends, this is a reminder today to refocus our life, to centre it on Jesus, to make Jesus number one and to seek first the kingdom of God. Let me just close now by reading verses 8 to 9. Referring to Jesus, Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let us pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for raising Christ from the dead, for giving us hope, for giving us a certain future. Help us to hold on to this living hope. Amen. Amen.